This morning, I want to speak to you from the subject, Humbly Do Justice and Show Mercy. Humbly Do Justice and Show Mercy. To the end that we would daily seek to be a neighbor to anyone in need, wherever they are, for the glory of God in Christ. Last week's sermon ended with a reminder that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Having been blessed to this degree should move and compel us to humble acts of righteousness, justice, and mercy as we partner with God's establishment of a new heaven and new earth. One of the most well-known stories showing how the new life in Christ Jesus breaks into and overcomes the evil done in this world is found in Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke 10, 25-37, we find these words, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. The context of this story actually begins much earlier in chapter 10, when Jesus sends out 72 other disciples where he was about to go to announce the kingdom of God and act in accordance with the reign of Jesus, the righteous Prince of Peace. The presence, proclamation, and acts of Christ call you to repent of sin and believe in him. Jesus calls you to rejoice that your names have been written in heaven. This is the same joy that Jesus set before himself during his ordeal of suffering on Calvary. 
It is that joy with which you are to daily bear your cross and follow Jesus. Next, in in this context, even Jesus rejoiced when his Father revealed the simplicity of entering the kingdom to unlearned, humble babes who simply wanted to trust and obey Jesus. Yet the Father hid these things from those who considered themselves wise, learned, and understanding. Knowing God as your Father comes only through Jesus Christ. Only Jesus is able to reveal the Father to you. If you truly know God as your Father, it is because Jesus chose to reveal the Father to you. And it is within this context that one wise, learned, and understanding person, a lawyer, stood up in the crowd and asked, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a great question, but in this particular case, it lacked integrity. The lawyer was attempting to trick Jesus. It is a blessing that Jesus does not try to trick his children or even respond to our trickery with anything less than complete integrity. Jesus begins to answer this man by referring him to the law, which in this case means the teaching of the Old Testament. Many scholars believe inheriting eternal life means entering the kingdom of God, gladly coming under Jesus' reign. How can a person inherit eternal life or live under Jesus' lordship? Love is the answer. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus affirms that this is the correct answer. However, Jesus alone is able to perfectly love this way, and he did. And because of this, he not only has eternal life, but is eternal life, and is able to give eternal life to whoever he chooses. Jesus is not joking when he says, do this and you will live. He knows you are not able to love like this on your own. However, as the 72 preached repentance and faith in Christ, when you turn from sin and believe in Jesus in response to God's love and lordship, you are enabled by God's Holy Spirit to inherit eternal life, to know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent, to know the power of Jesus' resurrection and to share in his sufferings and to become in life like he was in his death and attain to the resurrection of the dead, to, to respond to the gospel appropriately, to live a life of love and kindness, justice and mercy in the present age. The lawyer, however, shows that he does not possess this love or eternal life. He seeks the impossible to justify himself. Only God can justify you. The lawyer wanted to know who is his neighbor. Perhaps he had been endeavoring to love select people justly and with mercy and wanted to check his list of people over against Jesus' list to make sure he wasn't missing anyone, or even to make sure that he didn't need to take someone off his list. But Jesus tells him a story instead, and it's a very familiar story that a man was robbed, stripped, beaten, abandoned, and left half dead. 
and the robbers did not love him. They did not act justly towards him. They did not show any mercy. And a priest and a Levite went down the same road and saw this man, looked the other way, and kept right on walking. Those who, above all, these are the ones, the Levite, who sought the glory of God historically, and the priests who were the go-between God and others, bringing people to God and bringing God to people. Above all, they should have gotten involved, but they didn't. And they're just as bad as the robbers in this parable. Even if they did not want to help, they could have found someone who would and sent them to this man. Some of you, in light of present injustices in society, uh, we've talked about recently, mentioned that you have the privilege of being able to walk away from suffering and the needs of other people. However, this is no privilege. It's actually a handicap. Some call it white privilege, but it's really a handicap because you and all of us were built by God to love one another. And to walk away from an opportunity to love is, again, trading your birthright to be a blessing for personal comfort, convenience, wealth, pleasures, or freedom from anxieties, and for personal security. A so-called privilege is not a privilege at all. It's a handicap indeed. Jesus, in telling this story, does something outside of the box. If you have a Jewish audience in the first century, you don't make the hero of your story a Samaritan, especially when a village of Samaritans just rejected you and some of your own disciples asked to set them on fire. You see that back in chapter 9, verses 51 and following. Samaritans were considered traitors, half-breeds, unclean, unworthy of mention. They were the ghetto. As some have said, they were the niggers of society. The people that nobody wanted to deal with. Nevertheless, Jesus continues a Samaritan who was scheduled to be somewhere else, inconvenienced himself, adjusted his schedule, put himself at risk, when he saw a man left and dying on the road. When the Samaritan saw him, he saw himself. That is what it means to treat someone like a neighbor. When you see someone in need, you actually see yourself. Jesus said, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. He administered first aid. He had supplies ready with him in case he encountered a needy person. He must have known the territory and what could potentially happen in that neighborhood, and he prepared himself. He used his own mule, so he must have walked to the inn. He brought him to a man, uh, he brought the man to safety and, and spent the night with him to ensure that he would recover and his needs were met. Then the next morning he boldly enlisted the innkeeper to take care of him, and he left two days worth of pay 
to care for this man and promise to follow up, to come back and offset whatever other cost to the innkeeper in caring for this man might have paid. We have all recently witnessed injustice and merciless acts in our society. To be honest, if we open our eyes, we would see needs all over. We have been asking, what can we do as a church or as individuals when we see and experience such actions? Well, Jesus teaches us that it's not that complicated. When you see someone, anyone, in need, it doesn't matter who they are or where they are, you are called to see that person as yourself and their situation as your situation. Jesus commands you to consider what would you want based on God's word if you were in the same situation. What you would want is what Jesus calls you to pursue. Jesus commands you to be compassionate, to show mercy based on God's word in light of what you see and who you see. Don't hide your eyes from the needs and sufferings of others. When you envision yourself suffering injustice, you somehow know exactly what to do. It is not that difficult. In your daily schedule, when you see someone in need, take what God has graciously given you and use it to aid and help them. Justice and mercy work hand in hand as well as the humility necessary to genuinely pursue these things. It's been said before, compassion is a resolve to be involved until the problem gets solved. The Samaritan did not just look at the man and say, that's a shame or that's sad. He didn't say, that makes me mad. He saw himself and showed compassion. He did what needed to be done for this man to recover and called on others to show mercy with him. He wasn't a hero. He was holy. He proved to be a neighbor. That is what this parable calls us to, to prove to be a neighbor in daily life, in our daily journey, wherever we might be, when we see injustice, when we see a need, when we see someone in dire straits, to prove to be, in that circumstance, a neighbor. The greatest act of love is seen at Calvary. Jesus saw your need and how sin had robbed you, stripped you, abandoned you, and actually did leave you dead. But Jesus did the impossible. He gave up his life in love as the perfect neighbor and restored you, and now fills you with his spiritual power and fruit to ask with integrity, to whom can I be a neighbor today? Jesus did what was impossible for us to do, but he accomplished it. You can't follow Jesus and decide who you will love. You cannot follow Jesus and decide who you will love. Have you ever heard people say, or have you ever said, you have to choose your battles? 
Well, that may work on occasion. But when you see a need, Jesus chooses you to see and commands you to love. When Jesus lets you see something, he's chosen you by definition for the battle. It's inconvenient, potentially risky. It probably will cost you something. But it is the way to walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the way to respond in love to having been loved by God. As always, this begins in the church and flows out of Zion into the world. There are all kinds of ways in the church people have been abused, overlooked, abandoned, and disenfranchised. It is unfortunate how often in history the leaders have been silent about hatred and abuse and have also been abusive themselves. God will certainly judge these sins of indifference, injustice, and hate. Yet today, each of us has the responsibility to open our eyes and see those who are suffering and needy. Each of us has the responsibility to hear the sufferings of others. Each of us has the responsibility to share our needs with others in the body. All of us, upon seeing and hearing how others have been broken by sin, hate, and injustice, have the responsibility to pray and sacrificially pursue what is best for those in need in the body of Christ and in this world, and sacrificially serve and generously give to all who are in need. As a church, we have the responsibility to partner with others in Christ's body and not limit our service and response to suffering and needy people to our own congregation. God calls us to unity and to partner together with the worldwide people of God and work for justice and for mercy and for love in this world. As one author and speaker said, to see where sin has damaged God's world and those he created and seek to reverse the curse in our world wherever it can be found. All of us have this blessed responsibility to partner with Jesus and together with all his people in order to pursue peace, the kingdom qualities of righteousness, justice, mercy, and love in this world, experiencing and tasting thereby the new heavens and new earth that God is establishing through the gospel of his Son, Jesus Christ. We must never believe that injustices done somehow paralyze us from the kingdom work to which we are called. Nothing can stop God working through you to undo injustice and to show mercy where it's needed when you are doing these works for his glory and for his kingdom. Let's pursue justice humbly. Let's show mercy humbly in light of the mercy shown to us, the love shown to us, and reverse the curse wherever it is seen in the body of Christ and in the world. The only way we do this is by spending time with one another, listening to each other, and taking responsibility to love one another 
and give generously wherever we find those needs. And let that love flow into this world, into the society, and see the kingdom of Christ extend in this world. May God bless you.